Councillor Josh Matlow's motion for a plan to develop implementation strategy with accountability measures to ensure change when you're talking about uh, the residents of Toronto that have dementia that are living in the city-run nursing homes has passed unanimously. Uh, Toronto Council is moving forward to, with detailed plans to give emotion-focused care to the 2,600 residents in its city-run nursing homes. They say, you know, he addressed uh, the councillors and said, we have a choice here, either to warehouse our seniors and under-resource, understaff, and really just manage them as patients, or to provide the, the kind of care that really addresses their needs and improves their quality of life. Dementia is something that many people uh, will be living with. Currently, the number of people uh, living uh, with dementia is at 16,000, and that's the amount of Canadians under the age of 65. There are about uh, 25,000 new cases of dementia diagnosed every year. And uh, my father-in-law is in a hospital right now because he broke his hip, but there, you know, he's in the rehab unit and there are people that call out to people that are not there. And I hear the nurses deal with them on a daily basis. They go in and say, oh, no, 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 they're, they're not here. They're gone. And, you know, I think they deal with them very well. But one of the places that's cited as dealing with um, dementia patients on a level that is uh, a lot of people are looking to and thinking of uh, copying copying and recreating the model is uh, the Peel region. They've, they've took part in this one-year pilot, pilot project called the Butterfly Model, and it has elevated the lives of residents through friendships with staff. And what they've created is a cozier, home-like feel. Here to talk about it, Mary Connell joins the show. She's a registered nurse, dementia care advisor for the region of Peel, and the project manager for the Butterfly Model. Welcome to the show, Mary. Thank you very much, and it's my pleasure to talk to you about this great thing we have going in Peel. What is the difference between the Butterfly Model and other uh, units that you know have uh, dementia patients in them? So within the butterfly model, there's a real focus on the emotional well-being and care of people living with dementia. So in some of the other home areas, they are more focused on the physical and psychological well-being of the people who live there. Ours is definitely puts, we do look after those components, but emotions come first. Okay. And how do you uh, look after people's emotions? What do you do? Well, for us and through this model, uh, the most important thing was producing some transformational change for staff. So that meant changing the way they think about themselves and the people they care for. So we did that through eight full, very intensive days of training with staff, getting them to dig down deep and connect with their own emotional intelligence, because I think people who work in long-term care have that uh, skill anyway, but we want to allow them and give them the opportunity to display it in the workplace, something we haven't always done. How is this change embraced by the staff? Um, They love it. Uh, We have staff uh, who are working in our butterfly areas now who don't want to work anywhere else. Um, We actually have staff asking to come and work in the butterfly areas, and I know that the retention of staff and finding PSWs in the long-term care sector is an issue, but it's not an issue for us in our butterfly areas. Why was it named the butterfly model? Well, that's the uh, the name of the model from uh, the Dementia Care Matters is the group that established that model in the UK, and that's the name of it. And it's about uh, that metaphor of the chrysalis turning into a butterfly, so that's why they use that If I was to walk into one of the uh, Peel nursing homes that are using the butterfly model, what would I see? 
smell. We always talk about the senses. So you would smell bread baking or uh, soup in the crock pot. You would hear singing. Um, you would see people engaged in activity. You would hear staff laughing and really enjoying uh, their day. The thing when I take people on tours of the Butterfly Home, they notice is it's a feel. You absolutely feel the difference. I was mentioning that my father-in-law is right now just, uh, he's in a rehab unit, but there's a lot of people, we talk about how hallway medicine is a problem, and a lot of these people are not in the, you know, the appropriate units that they should be in because they're waiting to get into units. Uh, some of them are dealing with dementia, and I can tell you, my I literally feel my stomach drop whenever I hear someone that is audibly distressed, and they're dealing with uh you know something that they think is happening but it just isn't but it's very real to them and I listen to the staff try and deal with them as patiently as possible sometimes I think oh okay you're just repeating yourself over and over again talk about how this feeling of distress you know isn't I guess is prevalent Um, because we go to where that person is so whatever that particular distresses. My father also has uh, dementia. He's in the advanced stages. And very often he talks about being home in Glasgow in the 1930s and 40s. So we, using him as an example, we would just go there with that. Um, if they're distressed, they want to speak to their mother. We actually have a phone where several people during the day pick up the phone and they want to speak to their mom and that calms them down. So we have things within the environment that support them um, and we, we really just go to where their reality is at that time and that's what supports them. So is your father, does he think he's talking to his mom? Is he actually having like a, a one-sided conversation? You can hear him talking to his mom on that phone? Yeah, so we hear people. Hear, uh, an example, a couple of weeks ago, a man said, I want to speak to my mom. So I allowed him to use the phone. Um, and I was wondering, how's this going to go? Because I know his mom's not in the other end. But he dialed a number very purposefully, uh, waited a couple of minutes, hung up and said, my mom says that I can stay for another hour. And I said, okay, great. I'll tell you when that hour is up. And immediately you could see the anxiety just be removed from that man, that he had made that connection. And he went again about the activities we were doing. Is one of the biggest problems and obstacles in dealing with a dementia patient uh, that we refuse to go along their line? We refuse to go on that journey with them. We say, no, this is not what's going on. No, this is not what's going on. Well, I think that's traditionally what um, healthcare professionals were taught to do. I, I hope people know better now. I think really the biggest issue is that people don't have the time to engage in going to that alternate reality and they're busy doing other things. They're focused on tasks. So how do you have the time? Um, well, uh, we just make it a priority and we work very differently. So um, within the home, we've asked staff to make that a priority and to engage the people living with dementia while somebody else goes about the work. We also include everybody in the health or the whole team in the home. So the housekeepers are in on it, the dietary staff, the facilities guy, whoever is there and they're with uh, the people living in the home, they're engaged. So it's not all just about care staff. It's everybody's job to look after our people in our homes. Now, you spoke about uh, the physical space and what it smells like, but I understand you've changed the colors of the walls as well. Yeah, um, when people who don't have dementia come in, they find these colors very uh, almost obnoxious. But for someone with dementia, they they work really well. 
Um, I'll use my father again as an example. We have a number of people who live in the home, people that walk all day long around these big corridors um, that when they first built these homes felt that this was a great way for them to get exercise. But we now know this is kind of a torture. So like my father, who's looking for my grandmother's front door, Mm. they will never find it. So these colors, uh, because of the sharpness of the color and the contrast between colors, they can see an end point and they stop walking. So just last night I found out we painted one of our other home areas and a woman who uh, had been walking for months and months and months uh, just stopped because she can now see an end because of those colors. What color are we talking about here? So it's a variety of very, very bright um, colors. So you have uh, neon green next to grape, next to uh, a tulip red, because when you have dementia, um, you perceive color five to eight times lighter hmm. than you and I do. So they don't see them like that, like they see a nice a nice green. They don't see the, the neon green. But when you have dementia, you don't see an end point, and we need to put that in place for people so they stop the purposeful walking. So they're not wandering around a blank canvas. That's right. You've also uh, implemented several props. Can you talk about those? So they're always based on the people who live in the home. It's a very bespoke model. So, um, for example, we have a gentleman who really identifies with his professional self and dressing and going to the office. So one of the stations we have has men's suits and ties and shoes and some of the things that men would use to go to work and dress in the 50s and 60s. And uh, he spends a considerable amount of the morning putting ties on. Sometimes he has five or six ties on at a time, and we just let him do it because that's what he likes to do. Um, We have a woman who likes, uh, she's Italian, she likes to make gnocchi in the morning, so we set that up for her. Um, We have uh, people in the advanced stage where their care is much more up close. We do things like, uh, we have uh, hand massage stations, we do scent therapy, um, we hold hands, we read stories. So the props and things we use in the advanced side of the home are a little bit different, but um, that's actually the side of the home we've seen the most Um, improvement in, actually. And what kind of improvement are you seeing? So um, individuals that were not communicative with their environment before, so they didn't talk or interact in any way, we're starting to see people uh, speaking again, uh, using, you know, single words like yes and no, which is very important if you want to advocate for yourself. We actually have a man who had not spoken in a couple of years, said a full sentence last week. We're also seeing a return in people's functional abilities in the advanced home, which is unheard of. So people who haven't fed themselves for years are picking up a fork and a spoon and starting to feed themselves or doing some of their morning care, like washing their face or brushing their teeth. And that didn't happen before. When you see results like that, I would imagine it's very gratifying for the staff that are working. Do they become more invested? Oh, yeah. Um, One of the things we measured in the project uh, was incidental sick time of staff. And we've seen a reduction of that by 75%. People love coming into work. They're very attached to the people they care for, because if you're spending eight hours a day, uh, five days a week with someone, you get really attached. Um, And they they just love there. And they also, I find that there's been a real emotional response from staff. So when that gentleman said that full sentence a month ago, people cried. I bet they did. It was so moving. Are, is this a very costly program to run? Because I think, uh, you know, we keep hearing about dollars and cents. Um, well, I always think about the human cost of it, of course, but you're, you're speaking about dollars and cents. Right, so. you know, and that seems to be a big issue right now with healthcare in the province. And I get that. I get mm-hmm. it. So um, within the pilot, we had costs 
um, that we're looking at now uh, have decreased because we had a very limited period of time to put it in place. Um, we just had to do things like for the painting, for example, we hired an external person to come in and paint. Now we might use somebody internal to the region. Um, so there's costs associated with training staff. That's probably the most expensive thing that we do because you have to backfill staff in long-term care when they're training. But that, to us, was the game changer. If you don't um, train staff, you can paint walls and add um, props, but it's not going to make any difference. So um, there were definitely costs, but we think in the long term we're going to actually see some savings as a result of this. What are you hearing from the families? They, they love it. Um, when we first moved into Redstone, which is the home area this is in, 58% of the people had no contact with their family because it's hard. I mean, I know with my father, if someone's not giving you anything back or communicating, it's hard to, to continue to visit. So as they started to see those changes in their loved one, people are returning. And so families, they just love it. And they actually come and visit with people who are not their family member, but who they know don't have anyone. So it's been spectacular for families. Wow, I'm getting all choked up. I'm not yeah. kidding. <laughs> this this sounds like a model that's rooted in kindness and compassion. It is. It just it it's so simplistic. It's it's laughable almost how easy it is. So, do you see the butterfly model, you know, spreading across all of the uh, the province and hopefully Canada? I hope so. So you know that we have some homes in Alberta. There's seven of them that have the butterfly model in place. Over the last year, Peel has got a very strong advocacy campaign because even though it's fantastic for our residents to have it, we want everybody's mom and dad to get it as well. So we've done over 100 tours of the home. I've done uh, over 50 presentations across the province. People really want it. And I think if you read the Toronto Star this morning, you saw that there's uh, three more homes, two more homes actually, who have signed up for the butterfly model. So I hope that it does spread. And how many, do we, how many do we have in Ontario? So there's um, the region of Peel, uh, the Glebe Centre is just signing up in Ottawa, and the region of Waterloo has also signed up. Oh, I'm sorry, Primacare in um, St. Catharines. Well, Mary, I want to thank you for your time today. This sounds like a, a fantastic way to uh, take care of people that, you know, have given back, they've, they've given to society for so long, and, you know, uh, just because they've now come to a point in their life where they can't live at the same level that they once did doesn't mean that they're not still alive and shouldn't be cared for in a in a way that's meaningful. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me and allowing me to talk about it. Thanks so much for joining us, Mary. That is Mary Connell, who is a registered nurse with Dementia Care Advisor for the Region of Peel and the project manager for the Butterfly Model. I uh, I don't know about you. I got pretty emotional at that. I just think, you know, anybody who's dealt with someone who's dealing with you know, any Alzheimer's or dementia knows it's very difficult. It's very emotional. And this, to me, sounds so kind and wonderful. I don't know why we wouldn't adopt this en masse.